Well, welcome again, everybody, to Impact Church, whether it's your first time here or you've been here for a while, and welcome to the people that are watching um, from home. We are so glad that you are here and hanging out with us um, on this 2021. We're here. We made it. Um, and I want to encourage you. I, I talked to some of our uh, team this morning about this, but um, 2020 is over, and a lot of us are happy about that. A lot of you at home are happy about that, um, because 2020 wasn't the most fun year, but I want to encourage you to take some time this week to look back at 2020, to look back at what it was, and even though there's a lot of things that we were going to do that we didn't do, no matter what, who you are, a lot of us had things canceled, things that were different last year, um, I want to encourage you to spend uh, some time to reflect on 2020 on some of the things that were good about it um, and not to focus on the things that um, weren't, because all I've seen now is like, thank God 2020 is over, like all those memes and stuff. And um, yeah, I agree with it. But at the same time, uh, let's take some time to appreciate the year that we had, because there were some great things that came out of that um, for all of us. So um, again, welcome to Impact Church. If this is your first time watching, um, then I want to encourage you, or if this is your first time here, um, you have connection cards on your on your chairs. And if you're at home, you can go to impactchurchmd.com slash new. For every first time visitor, we give $2 to a local charity or organization, and we're starting to new quarter um, today. So the quarter that we, the organization will be giving to, we're giving to a local nursing home uh, down the street. We're going to help them buy some supplies. And we're also going to have the kids make cards for some of the, the residents there. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Michelle's going to have more information about that next week. Um, so for every new visitor that watch, that is here or every new person that watches, we're going to give $2 on your behalf. So make sure you fill that out. Um, uh, or go to impactchurchmd.com slash new. Um, and this time, we're gonna, I want to pray over our tithes and offerings. Um, we are not going to be passing any buckets, but you can give in the back, or you can uh, give online uh, as well. So let me pray over uh, the offerings. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the generous God that you are, the God that uh, continually gives to us. And I pray that um, throughout this year that uh, you guide us to, to live the life that you want us to live and to be the church you want us to be. I pray for everything that comes into this church so you help us to use it for your glory, uh, to be a church that makes a difference and to uh, make an impact in our community and in our world. In your son's name, amen. Um, I grew up in the 90s. I was born in 1985. So um, my prime child years are the 90s. I, I was five years old when the 90s started. I was 15 when the 90s ended. Um, so that's like prime kid forming kid experiences in that, those time frame, all in the 90s. So all the typical 90s stuff, and some of you grew up in the 90s, some of you um, had your kids in the 90s, some of you um, maybe even had your grandkids in the 90s, I don't know. But we have all different ages that are watching or here. But for, for those of you that didn't grow up in the 90s, here's some of the things that I experienced. Some of you are going to know what I'm talking about, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. I experienced watching shows like Full House, yep, Rugrats, Hey Arnold, Family Matters, I experienced doing all that. I um, grew up burning CDs and writing on that with a Sharpie what I had, and I put it in my CD binder that I had. Um, and I would also, um, uh, what else did I have? I had uh, Pogs, I remember Pogs, bam, hit those things down. Tamagotchi, you, think, you, know, you know I didn't know about Tamagotchi, did you? No, I knew about the Oregon Trail, I played Oregon Trail, all that stuff. So there was a culture that I grew up in in the 90s. Uh, being a 90s kid. But not only was I a 90s kid, I was a Christian 90s kid. So there's one culture I lived in, the Rugrats, Nickelodeon, that kind of stuff, and another culture that I lived in on top of that. So here's some of the things that I experienced. I actually have pictures for you. Some of you are going to have no idea what this is. Some of you are really going to know what this is, and it's really going to bring back some memories. So here's one thing that I experienced. Here's a picture of it. 
Who knows what that is or what the name of that is besides my sister, Rob? Salty the Praise Book. You guys had Barney. I had Salty the Praise Book, okay? That's what that is. He sang songs. Okay, next one. This is a show I used to watch um, called McGee and Me. Anyone ever heard of McGee and Me? Some of you, okay. Here's the premise of this show, if I remember it correctly. He drew a cartoon and the cartoon came to life and taught him about Jesus or something. It was some kind of premise. That's basically what happened. I also list, used to listen to this band all the time in the 90s. Who's this, if you don't know who it is? DC Talk. Come on. Some of you, how many of you have never heard of DC Talk in your life? Okay, some of you. Okay. How many of you know DC Talk and you grew up? Okay. Yeah, you know about DC Talk. Trust me, I knew about DC Talk. Don't quiz me on DC Talk. I saw a man with a tan in his big fat belly. He was looking around like marmalade jelly. I know all the songs, all the lyrics to Jesus Freak. I know, some of you have no clue what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, what the heck's happening? Okay, DC Talk. I also used to wear this all the time. I used to wear this around. Here's what would happen. I would um, be in school, and I would get mad at somebody, and I'd be like, I'm going to punch that kid right in the face. And then I'd look down at my bracelet and be like, wait, I can't, because Jesus wouldn't do that. So I'm not going to do that. What would Jesus do with the bracelets? And then... This is like, if you were a 90s Christian kid, you know about this, okay? This is some of the shirts I used to wear. Um, a shirt that was like the, in the same vein as a logo, like Sprite, but instead it says Spirit. I had many shirts. In fact, I found a picture of me in one of those shirts, if you can put that up. This is me at Disney World. And this is supposed to be like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle t-shirt, but instead it says, Jesus saves lives eternal, that's what it says. And on the bottom, you might not be able to read it. It says, um, uh, make Jesus your hero. So there you go. That was me in, in Disney World going to Epcot with my goofy, goofy hat. So yeah, so that was some of the culture. I grew up as a 90s kid, and I also grew up as a 90s Christian kid. We all grew up in some sort of culture. We all grew up in our, our culture just in general, but specifically, all of you have different cultures that you grew up in or that you live in currently. But what is culture? We're going to be talking about that a lot throughout this series. What is culture? First, I'm going to tell you what culture is not. Because we are here at church or you're watching from home, and you know what church normally relates culture to. So I'm going to tell you something that we need to understand culture is not. Culture is not the enemy. Culture is not the bad things that non-Christians do. Culture is not how our kids are being polluted. Culture is not things outside of the church. That is not what culture is. When we think of culture that way, we are thinking of culture incorrectly and with a very limited view. That's what we are doing. Culture, church is culture. Your home is culture. Things you participate in and the things you don't participate in, all of them form and are culture. So here's what culture is. If you have your uh, impact cards or your um, journals or notebooks, you can write this down. This is what culture is. This is our definition of culture about this series. Culture is the way we live in the world he created. That's what culture is. It's simply the way that we live in the world that he, God, created. Culture is engagement and culture is interaction. That's what it is. It is us interacting, engaging, building on, influencing, and living in the world that God made in the, in the order that God has already established. Culture is the way we live in, a, in the world that he created. So anything that does that, that is engaging or interacting or influencing or, or shaping things, anything that does that is culture. So that list is endless. Things like art, movies, TV shows, music, etc., beliefs, 
language, customs, behaviors, faith, food, and etc. There's so many things that all form and are culture. It's the way we live in the world that He created. It's how we live. And the way we live affects the world that we live in. So when we do things as a society or we do things in our family or at our work and it affects the way things happen there, the way things happen and what God has created, then we are creating culture. The, the, what that is, is us creating culture. And if you look at culture through a Christian perspective or through a lens of a higher power and a deity, if you look at culture through that, here's how culture is made. There's three steps that makes culture. The first one, God created culture and it was good. That's the first thing we need to understand, that culture is formed because God created it. At creation, God created the world. And in Genesis, we learn and understand that God created it, and he says it was good, or it was very good. Every aspect of God's creation was good, the, the material and immaterial, every aspect of it was. So forming and making culture, it's about interacting with God's creation. We've already established that. That's what it is. It's us interacting with God's creation. It's the way we live in the world he created. So if God's creation is good, and us, who he said he made us good as well, if us interacting with that good creation, we're good and that creation is good, then the result of that is culture is inherently good. There's nothing bad about it. God created culture, and if he created it, that means it is good. Number two, God created us to build on culture. We are told to be fruitful and multiply, which is a social command, but we are also told to uh, till the soil. In Genesis 2, God commands Adam to cultivate the garden, um, as in use and develop the garden. And that's a cultural command. That's what that is. God commanded us to bring out the potential, to build on it, to make this world a better place to live, to make this world better by the way that we live in it and by the way we interact with it. God created us to build on culture. And we've done that. We have built some crazy inventions over over our society's timeline. You can go all the way back to the wheel that was created, which has allowed people to travel from one place to another before you had to walk or however far your horse or your donkey would take you. That's how, where you got. But then a wheel was formed. All of a sudden, now you can get a little further than before. Then the printing press came out, which was a great way to spread knowledge all over the world in a, in a rapid rate. Um, the printing press also really spread the Bible. At that time, the only people that understood the Bible um, were the ones that could read and were able to access one. And then what happened is some of the priests at that time would uh, use that power that they had and they would use it to their advantage and sell you salvation because no one had a Bible to read. And all of a sudden the printing press came out, everyone was starting to get Bibles and they were reading it going, wait a second, it doesn't say that in here. They were starting to understand God in a more real way because of an invention like the printing press. Uh, the light bulb game and now we can see a night. We have the internet now that that has just completely changed everything. It changes the way we spread our knowledge. It changes the way we connect. It changes the way you take a picture of your food. It changes everything, right? There's so many different inventions. But the best invention that I think has ever been made, the best thing that has ever been built, best invention, is um, you ever go to Giant and you see that gun that you can scan your own stuff? Easily the best thing I've ever made. Here's why. Don't talk to anybody. You can just show up. If you're an introvert, then you just show up, you get that gun, you scan your own stuff, bag it, and you leave. It's the best thing ever. Martin's around here has the same thing. It's the best thing it's ever created. But we have built on it. God created us to build on culture. God created culture, and it was good. He also told us, hey, build on it. Make it better. Keep growing it. Keep doing things with it. See, the garden was never meant to stay the way it was. It was meant to be built on. 
for us to use our God-given brains and be able to understand more concepts, build on what came before, and create more out of God's creation. God created culture and it was good, and God encourages us to continue to build on culture. We understand that, but yet we can look at culture and we can all agree, no matter what you believe, that there's something not good about our culture, whatever that culture is. We can all agree on that. And here's why, number three, sin corrupts culture. God created culture and it was good. He said, hey, you have a job to make it, to build on it, to do more. And then all of a sudden, sin came in and, and corrupts culture. Our sin warps, distorts, and corrupts the culture and how we engage in it, how we interact with it. Culture remains structurally good, but sin misdirects our worship from our God to idols. Idols like ourselves, idols like money, idols like happiness, or idols like culture itself. It misdirects our, our, our worship to something else. See, if culture is the way that we live in the world he created, when we live in a way that is not pursuing what God has for us, then we are going to start to push the direction of culture in a direction that it should not go, away from our creator to something else. It's kind of like a catch-22. Culture is inherently good because God made us and this world to be good. But when we sin, we turn culture, we turn the direction of culture into the wrong direction, which is not good. And then when culture is in the wrong direction, it can lead us to sin more, which will then complete the cycle, and then we are going to continue to push culture in the wrong direction. That's how culture is made. And this is crucial for us, for us to understand because we cannot escape culture. So understanding it correctly is important for us to live in culture correctly. But what tends to happen in, in Christianity is what tends to happen with, I feel like, every issue that all of us have in this world at this point. What tends to happen when we think of culture and Christianity is we tend to pick a side. What it seems to always happen. We've got to be on one side or the other when it comes to culture. And in his book, um, Every Square Inch, there's a professor named Bruce Riley Ashford. He wrote specifically on the relationship between Christianity and the culture and just culture in general. He's a theologian. He studied multiple surveys with the relationships uh, between Christianity and culture. And he concluded there are three views that more often Christianity views their relationship with culture. Three views. And here's the first view. One extreme. Christianity against culture. When we see culture, we see Christianity, and we go, you know what? We are on polar opposites. We are at war with culture. We as Christians and cultures over there, we are at war with them. They are the enemy. That's one view that, that uh, churches or Christians have. And this view stems from a belief that America is becoming increasingly less Christian, or um, you could even say uh, anti-Christian. And so what is considered, or what was considered cultural norms and morals, things that were built on a Judeo-Christian mindset, has now changed. So now the church looks at culture as that's our enemy because they are preaching the opposite of what we are saying. So that is our enemy. And we've talked about this before, but um, uh, I, there's a whole study that was done by uh, Ed Stetzer. Um, we feel like Christianity is dying. You can find articles that say Christianity is dying, but it actually isn't. There's no statistics that say it is. Um, church attendance right now, um, as the people that attend church uh, most of the time, as in three to four times a month, 
people that do that, it's like 36%, and in the 60s, it was like 35% or 37%. It's something ridiculous. There's no decrease. What we're seeing in our culture is that um, what, was considered, um, what was considered popular or what was considered uh, normal was Judeo-Christian values, and now we're seeing that change. doesn't mean Christianity has decreased. So there's the same amount of Christians now as there were in the 60s. It's just that view has changed and has created a cultural gap. But because of that, a lot of Christians have taken the view of we have to be against culture, Christianity against culture. And so some churches, they take this view and they become a bomb shelter. You go there because we are constantly bombarded with images from the culture. We're constantly bombarded with things that uh, we don't want to see. So we're going to go to this church, be protected in our little bubble, and we don't want any of the outside culture to be influencing us. We are going to protect ourselves so no one else um, can be polluted by the culture and by the evil the rest of the world is constantly pushing on us. It's like Bubble Boy. You ever seen that movie? It's like Bubble Boy. You put yourself in this Christian bubble and you keep yourself there because culture is the enemy. We can't let it in, so we have to protect ourselves at all times. At all costs, you have to avoid it. So you will only watch certain movies because you're in that bubble. You will only watch certain shows because you're in that bubble. You'll never listen to secular music. If you ever heard that word, you'll only listen to Christian music because, again, we're in that bubble. But before you start judging this camp and start thinking, well, that's ridiculous that you would do that. Before you start judging this camp, you need to understand something. These people that are in this little bubble that they're trying to protect the outside culture from coming in, they have the best of intentions. They really do. They have the best of intentions. They are trying to preserve the purity of the church, and they're trying to hold fast to their faith. They are trying to live out Ephesians 6, which says that, we should put on the armor of God, and we are in spiritual warfare. That's all they are trying to do. That's what they're trying to do. But even with the best of intentions, the issue with the, the bubble mentality that culture is going to destroy us, and we need to protect ourselves and just be a bomb shelter for people to come, the, the issue with that is it doesn't actually keep us safe from sin. It doesn't actually do that. It just creates an illusion that we are safe from sin. Because sin is not something out there that we have to build walls up so sin doesn't get in. Sin is a disease in our soul. It's already here. And the only cure is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's not something out there that might creep in. It is in our soul. It is in our heart. And the only way we can be purified from it is from Christ. It's how Jesus says in John 17, he says, I have given them your word and the world has hated me. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, it's a key part, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of this world even as I am not of it. So I agree that there is a war happening. I agree that there is a spiritual enemy and there is spiritual darkness, but we do not engage in this war by escaping the world. The bubble cannot keep us keep sin out of the church. Instead, it keeps God's most useful tool, us, away from the world that needs us. That's what it really does. But not everybody that has this idea of culture against, uh, church, Christians against uh, culture, everyone that has that view looks at it like a bubble. Some people look at it as we're at war. We're going to attack. That's another way that people look at it. The best way to stop culture is to go on the offense. We are coming hard for it, and we are going to attack it. We are at war with culture, so we are going to fight. Um, I have uh, never been in a fist fight before. I've been close twice. 
I don't plan on ever getting in one at this point. Hopefully, I don't have to. Um, but uh, it, I don't know. I don't think I will. But I've been, in, I've been close twice. Both times uh, were sports-related because, <laughs> because I'm, I'm a competitive guy and the competitive juices were, were flowing. Um, I, wasn't, I don't think I was really going to fight because um, I'm kind of a baby. But uh, I think I was trying to be tough. And one of the times I was playing uh, floor hockey, which if you don't know what that is, it's hockey but you just run on the floor, okay? It, it makes sense, right? You don't have skates, you just run. So people that want to play hockey but can't skate, like me, you play floor hockey. So I was playing floor hockey once, and uh, there was this one kid who I knew from a while who um, he was just always, like, way too physical when he was trying to get the, the ball from you, um, and it was getting really old. And at one point, he went to get the ball from me, and he kind of, like, pushed me out of the way, and I had it at that point. And when he did that, the ref called him. Like, they, the ref blew a whistle as a penalty, but it wasn't enough for me, so I pushed him as hard as I could like this, ready to fight. Um, the reason why I was willing to do that is because he was way smaller than me, and I'm a coward. Okay? So that's why I was willing to fight him. We never, we never did fight. Um, he probably would have beat me up. It would have been really embarrassing. But, um, but yeah, so I've never been in a fight, but sometimes Christians look at culture as we're in a fight. We're going to go to war, kind of like that boxer mentality. We are going to fight culture. Um, they are the enemy we are going to defeat. When you see people at the beach that are, that are yelling out at people or holding signs, that is that mentality. If you see the Westboro Baptist Church who's holding up signs at, at funerals and different events and signs that seem very hateful on it, that is that mentality. that We are going to fight the culture. We are going at war with them. The idea that we are at war with culture and we are going to win, win the war against culture, you can find this in the Bible. You can find different scriptures. I mean, 1 Timothy 6.12 tells us that we need to fight the good fight of faith. James 4 verse 7 says that, tells us that we need to resist the devil. 2 Corinthians 10 says, uh, tells us to cast down anything that exalts itself from God. There is scripture that can back this up, but here is why this is misguided. And a lot of us know this is misguided, but here is why this, is, this idea is misguided. It's misguided because too often our fight against sin turns into a fight against people. That's what tends to happen. We're trying to fight against sin, and the best way we do that is a fight against the people who are sinning. God is never and will never be against people. He's not against people. God's plan is to rescue people. So if we see people as needing to be corrected rather than needing to be rescued, then we don't see people the way God does. We don't see it that way. We are never called to fight people. We are called to fight the direction that we push culture. We are never called to fight people. So one view, this extreme view with the relation between Christianity and culture is Christianity against culture. The other side, the other extreme view is Christianity of culture. Christianity of culture. This is the opposite extreme, that when we, we build churches and we build our churches and our faith and our Christianity as mirrors to the culture. Whatever the culture says, we are just reflecting that. The culture is constantly shifting, and in this view, the Christ, that our, our faith in Christianity is constantly shifting right along with it. And we've seen this happen in our history that's actually been good things. Um, if you look at um, the abolishment of slavery or the human rights movement, if you look at that, you will see that the church had stances on both sides. Some people were all for the equal rights and abolishing slavery, and some churches were trying to keep it there. We can all agree that the culture was pushing towards 
trying to free everybody, and the people that were staying with the fact that slavery should be upheld, the church is there, they were wrong. We can all agree on that. Culture was shifting one way, and the most responsible thing for the church to do was to also shift with it because it was a good thing. We've even seen um, movements more recently. Um, these movements have become politicized, so I'm not trying to make a political statement here, but um, you can look at the Me Too movement or the Black Lives Matter movement. Whether you agree with the organization or not, doesn't matter for what I'm talking about now. What I'm saying is those two organizations and those two movements have started to make us realize that, oh, there is still a gap when it comes to equality, when it comes to women, when it comes to other races, there's still that gap there. And it has caused conversations, and it has caused us to think about things a different way. In fact, what it really causes us to do is look more at what Jesus said and be like, oh, we're still not doing what Jesus said. Because Jesus was the first person with any influence, with any power, with any leadership that said from the very early on that women were equal to men and that all people were equal. He was the first one to do it. We're still trying to catch up to that. But so at times when we are shifting with culture and we understand where culture is going, it can be a good thing. For some of us, though, we fall into this camp way too easily. We embrace every aspect of culture, and we just take our faith, and we morph it, and we adapt it to fit whatever is happening in our culture. Why do we do this? Because it's easy. It's the safest way to do it. It's so easy. There's no risk here. It's like having your cake and eating it too. You can enjoy the salvation that comes from Jesus while at the same time living exactly like the world does and not taking any risk, not facing any persecution, not sacrificing anything. It's easy. We can do both of those when we have this view of Christianity, of culture. We think that we can take the message of Jesus, apply the parts that we like, save ourselves from hell, go to heaven, and while at the same time live, the, live whichever way we want to. We think, hey, we can do it. But Jesus would say, can't really do that. It doesn't really work that way. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, talking specifically about money. He said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Even though this is a specific example to money, you can put any idol there, and that verse also applies. You, you can put celebrities there. You cannot serve both God and celebrities, or God and politics, God and sex, God and power, all these things that culture raises up to idols, you can put that there instead. Here's how um, Ashford says it. He says it this way. It'll be up on the screen as well. It says, believers with this mentality, this Christianity of culture, believers with this mentality rightly recognize that God ordered the world in such a way that humans would make culture. And they rightly recognize that their culture exhibits real aspects of truth, goodness, and beauty. However, this, this mentality is misguided because it fails to sufficiently see the way in which every culture and every aspect of culture is corrupted and distorted because of human sin. We cannot be the example of a better way to live, the way Jesus called us to live, the way where we do not serve ourselves, but we serve Him, that we make other people first over us, that we deny ourselves, that we love God, we love others, and we serve Him in every aspect. We cannot show that way of living while also being a reflection of what the culture tells us to do. We cannot do it. It's not possible. When you are a reflection, all you can show is what you are reflecting. So if we are Christianity of culture and just whatever the culture says, we're just going with that, and we're going to tag along Jesus with us, we can't, it's, we're going to be a reflection of the culture, and we cannot live the way Christ called us to live while at the same time being a reflection of culture. 
when we embrace the view of Christian, Christianity of culture, we begin to make every aspect of our lives a gray area. All of a sudden, there are no black and whites ever. Everything is gray. And when we embrace gray for everything, then the better way to live also becomes gray. That's the danger of it. So if we shouldn't embrace either one of those extremes, what is the correct way to look at culture with a Christian mindset? Here's what um, Ashford argues, and here's what I would agree with. We should look at it as Christianity in and for culture. Christianity in and for culture. We don't go to the one extreme where we, we push against culture because they are our enemy and everything they do is evil and we should never do anything with culture. We should get as far away from it as possible. They are the enemy. Let's fight them. We don't go to that extreme because we understand that God created culture and culture is simply us interacting. So inherently culture is not bad. We don't go to that extreme. We also don't fully embrace everything that culture has to sell us or culture is telling us because we do understand that sin is a real thing and that sin is corrupting all of us, and when it corrupts us, it pushes culture in a different direction away from God. So if we embrace everything culture tells us, then we are going to live a life we're not supposed to. So instead of being to either one of those extremes, being against or being of, we need to be in culture and for culture. Here's how Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its, sand, on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We are called to be salt and light. Salt was used as a, as a preservative. When we live the way that Christ calls us to live, when we show that example, we live in that way, in godliness. We are in the culture, and we are being the preservatives of what culture needs. We are preserving the goodness and the truth and the hope that is found in culture when we put God in the center of it. We are called to be salt. We are also called to be light. When we show the love of Christ in our culture, our culture will be attracted to it. Our culture will see it and understand there is a better way. The best way to help our world live with integrity is to show integrity in your world. The best way to help our world live with a sacrificial love is by you showing sacrificial love. That's the way we are called. We are called to be salt and light. We are called to be in the culture, and we are for the culture. Every cultural context is structurally good, but it's directionally corrupt. We live in the culture because God designed us to. God made culture and made it good, and He called us to build on culture. So we live in it because we understand that culture structurally is good, but we continue to live a life that steers our culture into the right direction, not by screaming at them, not by telling them they're the enemy, but by showing it through our example what we're called to do, in and for. We are fully immersed in the culture, but everything we do, everything we experience points us back to the one that we serve. This doesn't mean that we agree with everything culture does. It doesn't mean that we experience everything culture says you can experience. But we understand and learn to speak its language. 
to identify the culture's true desires, because those true desires all have the intention of showing how Christ is the only one who we can correctly fulfill those well-meaning but often misplaced desires. Because that's what it is. The culture means well because it's simply us interacting with it. It just doesn't realize it's being misplaced and it's being misdirected. Every arena in life needs Christ and every arena needs it through our example. That's what it needs it. That's why we should be people that are in culture because God made it, can't escape it, and we're for culture. We want the culture to improve and to be better and to point to the right direction. So throughout this series, we're gonna, it's going to be a five-week series. We're going to talk about four areas in culture that um, we could, at times can hear a different message and how we can be people in and for culture in those four areas. Here are the four areas. We're going to talk about it one, one each week. We're talking about family, talk about fame, art, and church. And here are the three questions that um, we're going to wrestle with every week, and I want to give you guys a little teaser now um, so you guys can start to really think about these questions. Here are the three questions. They'll be up on the screen. First question, what would God's perfection look like in this area of culture? How has sin misdirected God's design, and how can we bring redemption and healing in that area? When we understand culture correctly, that it's not this enemy, and it's not just this thing where it's going to adapt, so we're cool, but it's something that we need to be in, we need to be for, and the way we're for it is by directing the culture back to the God who loves it. These questions are important in every area, whether it's your family culture, your work culture, your church culture, your, your school culture, whatever it is. What would God's perfection look like in this area? If this was exactly the way God wanted it to be, what would it look like? What did God intend for this to be? How has sin misdirected God's design? How has sin corrupted the direction it was supposed to go in? And then how can we do something about it? How can we bring redemption and healing in this area? Throughout this series, we talk about family, we talk about fame, art, and church. We're going to wrestle with these three questions because we're going to understand something. We are called to be people that see culture not as the enemy. We don't see culture as something that we're just going to do whatever culture says. We're going to be in culture because God called us to be. And we're going to be for culture to push it in the right direction. Let me pray with you. Dear God, I just thank you for being a God who gives us a mission, who sends us to this world, who created this world, who created us, and who created it good. And I pray that uh, you help us as people, um, you help us as, as your children to understand that culture is not the enemy, but it's simply the way we interact with the world you created. And that we have the responsibility through our example to show culture a better way so that we can live in it and we can be for it. And I pray throughout this series, throughout this week, as we begin to start to think about some of these questions and start to think about uh, the, the view we may have when it comes to Christianity and culture, that you help us to understand in whatever culture we are in, what your ultimate perfect design for that is, how our sin has corrupted it, and what we can do, the steps that we can take to start to direct it back to you. I pray throughout this series, throughout this week, you help us to fully surrender to you, to, to point our lives back to you, the God who actually gives us a hope and a future. In your son's name, amen.
All right, so I want to encourage you guys, um, whether you're here next week or you watch online next week, to, uh, to be here next week. I want to encourage you, if you're here, to be here. That makes sense. I want to encourage you to come back next week to hear part two of this series or watch online um, as well. Again, if this is your first time or second time, make sure you go to the welcome table back there or to simply go to impactchurchmd.com slash new. Uh, let us know that you are here. Thank you guys so much. We'll hope to see you guys next week.